You're now listening to a Binge Bull Brain podcast, the show that teaches simple neuroscience-based strategies to ending binge eating, overeating, and emotional eating through the inside-out understanding of your habits. I'm Natalia, your host, and I'm here to help you create wellness without the obsession. Let's get started. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Pinch Proof Brain podcast. In today's episode, we are going to talk about alcohol because binge eating and binge drinking, they of course might seem like separate issues, but they share common factors and they often coexist in people. When I'm talking to clients and potential clients, I often hear them saying things like, it's so hard not to binge after one beer. I absolutely lose control of my eating when drinking. And of course, it goes both ways because some people drink and then they want to binge, but some people binge and then they want to drink because they want to just check out even more. And it often seems um, that being drunk is a free pass to binge to soak up the, the alcohol. And for some people, it's also... Uh, they feel like they have already fucked up because of all the calories that are in alcohol and therefore it's a trigger to eat even more because, again, <laughs> they are fucked anyway, so why not uh, destroy the day even more? Uh, so in today's podcast episode, I want to talk about how alcohol fuels binge eating and I'm going to bring three main factors and the fourth one, which is uh, uh, also important, but I'm not going to talk in depth about it. So the first factor, how alcohol fuels binge eating, is because of neurological and neurochemical changes that happen after drinking. Because of course, alcohol affects neurotransmitters like dopamine that are linked to motivation, reward and pleasure. And that can lead to uh, more cravings for high calorie uh, foods when you are drinking. And that's kind of like the short term consequence. But of course, when when alcohol is consumed, as I said, uh, it triggers the release of dopamine in the brain. And over time, if you do it very often, the brain adapts to the presence of alcohol uh, and it, it does it by adjusting its dopamine receptors. So as a result, um, you have reduced sensitivity uh, in your reward system to the dopamine's effects. That, what does it mean? That may lead to uh, increased need to consume more alcohol to achieve the same level of pleasure. <laughs> and you probably know this phenomen phenomenon. <laughs> what did I say? You probably know this as, um, as a tolerance, right? You build tolerance to alcohol. And as tolerance develops, cravings for alcohol will increase... Um, as the brain's reward system just, uh, just you know, <laughs> uh, just wants more of the substance to get the desired uh, effect. And we also need to remember that reward system is not just for alcohol. So there can be kind of like the cross activation. So the brain uh, rewards, reward system is interconnected with other areas of the brain and it can be activated by other things. Therefore, the release of dopamine during alcohol consumption, um, it can reinforce the desire for more alcohol, but it can also activate regions of the brain um, associated with other pleasurable activities. And that, of course, includes eating. <laughs> so this cross-activation can lead to 
more cravings for food, especially foods that are super tasty and rewarding, so foods that are high in sugar, salt, and fat. So uh, this can all lead to lowered inhibition threshold. So it makes it easier to indulge in high-calorie uh, foods um, under the influence of alcohol. So that was the first thing, how alcohol can fuel uh, binge eating. And the second reason is alcohol impairs decision-making. So we talked about reward system. Now let's go a little bit higher. Let's talk about the like the rational part of the brain because alcohol impairs judgment and decision-making process and therefore it makes it easier to indulge in in food in usually kind of very highly processed food so the prefrontal cortex is the region of the brain that is responsible for um, higher cognitive functions and that includes judgment decision making impulse control and planning and of course alcohol will depress the activity of the prefrontal cortex and that leads to reduced inhibitions and impaired reasoning and it's also going to impact um uh, emotion regulation regulation because again <laughs> all brain areas are kind of connected to each other so the impairment of the prefrontal cortex will also affect emotion regulation uh, and this can lead to um, you know higher emotional reactivity and also you're going to have trouble managing your emotions and of course you're going to make irrational uh, decisions so you know, just just picture a person who is drunk and how usually they they behave. Of course, you know that they they are kind of like losing their inhibitions. Maybe they can say something that is um, inappropriate. They will make impulsive uh, decisions, and they are they can get easily I don't know angry or they might cry. So <laughs> so those are this is what exactly what I'm talking about, right? Because I'm talking about it in more scientific. Um, using scientific terminology like emotion regulation, prefrontal cortex, but you know <laughs> how it looks in a real uh, life. Because when we have this impaired decision-making, people have also decreased cognitive control. So they make less rational decisions. And also they are less able to assess risks. Therefore, they will engage in risky behaviors such as reckless driving or unsafe sexual practices so they just underestimate uh, the negative the potential negative uh, consequences and again you know that because you so drunk people and also what is interesting and i forgot to check if that's the the true term but alcohol can lead to something known as temporal myopia and that means that just a person will focus on short-term rewards rather than... Uh, and they will neglect long-term consequences. And of course, that can contribute to impulsive decisions and behaviors um, that, you know, in a sober state, you would say like, oh my God, this, this doesn't seem rational. <laughs> but uh, under the influence of alcohol, you will not see it that way. And when... When alcohol is present in your bloodstream, you may uh, have uh, screw it mentality. <laughs> so you are way more likely to in indulge in excessive eating without any restraint. 
And the third way alcohol can impact uh, your eating and can lead to binge eating is because of just hormonal fluctuations, right? (laughs) So alcohol will disrupt hormones related to hunger and satiety. It will increase the appetite, not only right after, but also the next day, you know, when you have hangover, you're probably going to have craving for some specific food. So there is a balance um, of hormones that regulate hunger and satiety. So alcohol will disrupt this this balance. And it affects mainly hormones like leptin, ghrelin, insulin, and cortisol. So leptin is your satiety hormone. So uh, after alcohol consumption, um, you will have less leptin. So you will feel less satiety. Uh, So... Um, again, you will have increased hunger. Uh, alcohol can also impact ghrelin, and ghrelin is known as hunger hormone because it stimulates appetite. Um, it's produced in, in the stomach, and it signals to the brain that it's time to eat. And alcohol alcohol consumption has been shown to increase ghrelin levels. Uh, so you will have more hunger and cravings for calorie-dense foods. Alcohol also impacts insulin. Uh, so insulin regulates your blood sugar levels. Uh, and by this, it also regulates uh, appetite. And after alcohol consumption, your ability to respond to insulin can be impaired. So it can cause short-term uh, insulin uh, resistance. So something similar that happens to, to people with um, diabetes, uh, type 2 diabetes or pre-diabetes. Uh, so, uh, just alcohol consumption will lead to uh, fluctuations in blood sugar levels, and that can cause hunger, cravings, again, for usually sugary and high-carbohydrate foods. And the fourth hormone that I've mentioned is cortisol, and the cortisol, you probably known it, know, know it as a stress hormone, and also cortisol levels are increased uh, in response to alcohol consumption. After all, alcohol is... It's a toxin, right? <laughs> and elevated cortisol, just like stress, can increase appetite. And again, we've got uh, activated those cravings for comfort foods. Um, and alcohol also can work on endocannabinoid uh, system. <laughs> and endocannabinoids are known for regulating appetite, mood and pleasure. Therefore, after consumption of alcohol, again, we've got increased uh, cravings. <laughs> How surprising, right? <laughs> uh, and there are also a couple of other things that I want to mention that, you know, alcohol uh, is diuretic, which means that it can lead to dehydration. Uh, when and, the, and your body sometimes may um, interpret dehydration as hunger. Alcohol can also disrupt your sleep and we know that poor sleep can increase ghrelin levels and therefore can lead to increased appetite. And also alcohol can disrupt the mind-body connection. <laughs> so just um, so just you lose the ability to properly read um, your hunger and fullness cues because your awareness of your body is kind of disrupted. And the fourth way uh, binge eating, uh, no, the fourth way alcohol can fuel binge eating is just, uh, are, are just social and environmental factors, right? So 
just the social setting, maybe peer pressure, maybe food avail- availability. So you are at the party, you're drinking, and usually there are some crisps, there are some nuts on the table. Uh, so that may just increase binge eating because those foods are just available, right? Yeah, so that was it. <laughs> that was what I wanted to share with you in today's episode. So now you know <laughs> what is happening with you after you drink alcohol. Now you know how, how alcohol can fuel binge eating. And now it's your time to decide what you're going to do with that information. <laughs> and I'm not saying that you have to give up alcohol forever. You know, let's all keep in mind that alcohol isn't good or bad. It isn't right or wrong. What matters is whether you like the relationship you have with alcohol. So I would just encourage you to reflect a little bit um, and think whether for you it would be beneficial to ditch alcohol for a while so that you can observe how it impacts your binge eating. So um, I, I don't, again, I don't want to tell you what you have to do, but I strongly encourage you to just take a break and explore um, your relationship with alcohol. And I encourage you to take a break because, <laughs> again, I don't like uh, this black and white mentality that we have to ditch something and we have to, uh, you know, tell ourselves, I will never have that thing again. I do not believe in that. But from my own experience, kind of taking a break was helpful to reassess my relationship with alcohol. So as you know, I was pregnant. Now I have a baby, which means that I'm, um, which for me means that I'm breastfeeding. So I'm not drinking alcohol because the alcohol would, <laughs> would uh, you know, negatively impact uh, my baby. And that made me think. That was kind of what spark sparkled the idea uh, for today's podcast episode because. Uh, right now, I'm at the point where I can, you know, decide, do I want to have alcohol? Because I haven't had any alcohol in more than a year. So I had to ask myself, like, do I, like, I've, I've been having that break, which was great. And right now, do I want to bring alcohol back to my life? So I had to ask myself, like, why would I do that? Like, okay, in the past, I had alcohol maybe to unwind and relieve some stress. I wanted to maybe create some sense of relaxation or maybe quite the opposite. I wanted the feelings of, you know, euphoria, happiness and confidence. <laughs> um, for example, when I was a student, right? Um, but right now, I feel like I have more courage to feel uncomfortable emotions rather than stuff them, you know, underneath the surface and numb out with alcohol. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't need to artificially elevate my mood with with alcohol. Uh, I also don't want to use alcohol to like cope with negative emotions, trauma, and difficult life situations. Um, I'm I'm on this planet to experience what it means to be human and I don't I don't need to use alcohol to like temporary escape from emotional pain because that was what I was doing in the past it was kind of like escapism that I wanted alcohol to provide me a temporary escape from um, maybe the the pressures responsibilities of my life and, and in some cases that was just purely habitual behavior uh, because I got into a habit for example on getting on zoom with my with my friend and we would always get you know some some kind of wine uh, yeah so I I had to ask myself and critically consider 
you know, the positive and negative consequences of drinking. And for myself, I kind of decided that there is no point for me to bring alcohol back to my life, which is which is crazy. Because um, maybe maybe I should tell you a little bit of my personal experience with, with alcohol. Uh, because, again, I, I didn't have huge problem with alcohol. Um, so... Yeah, uh, l- let me tell you the story. <laughs> so from my personal experience. Uh, so as a child, I saw a lot of alcoholism on the street because I'm from Poland and Poland is in Eastern Europe. So there people just drink vodka there, okay? <laughs> um, so our drinking culture uh, is more similar to... Uh, to maybe to probably Russia rather than I don't know Italy or France. <laughs> when we drink alcohol, we drink hard. Um, so I grew up kind of knowing that uh, because because alcoholism was present on the street. Uh, there were some homeless people that were homeless mainly because they were drinking alcohol. Also in my family, um, there are people who were kind of like addicted to to alcohol also in my direct um, genetic line. <laughs> so my ancestors, you know, had trouble with, with alcohol. So I grew up knowing that I might struggle with that as well. So my common sense was telling me to be careful, to never cross uh, the line. And of course, when I was a student, you know, I remember um, blacking out at the party. I remember like bodyguard found me in the toilet or something like that. Um, I also blacked out in the bush at my own housewarming party again when I was a student. So when I was a student, that was the time when I drank a lot of a lot of alcohol. And of course, I was also eating a lot uh, also when I was hangover and so on. So things kind of changed for me when I met my boyfriend, current husband, because he doesn't drink. He just doesn't like <laughs> the taste of alcohol. And I'm so surprised that he never felt the peer pressure to to try alcohol or, or to drink just because everybody else is drinking. So again, he, he doesn't drink and... And, and that was kind of great because we didn't get into a habit of like drinking together. So uh, for the couple of years when we've been together, I, I haven't been drinking much. Maybe once, twice a year to celebrate something or when I visit my friend or family, something like that. But I do have vivid memories of just wanting alcohol, you know, like ads kind of work for me. Or when I watch a movie and they are people are maybe at the bar or something and they are ordering cold beer and I would have immediately that craving like oh I would drink that, but I I need to admit that I never reacted to those thoughts so they were so I don't know if if that's like a physical um, dependency or alcohol or or something but. Even though I didn't drink, I, I would drink, you know, rarely, <laughs> once every couple of months, I would still get kind of this short-term, immediate cravings for alcohol when I would see somebody drinking alcohol. But for me, it was super easy to dismiss those faults just because I'm not in a habit of like buying alcohol and bringing it to, to our home. So that was very helpful. And then again, as I've mentioned before, I got pregnant. Now I am in my postpartum period. I have a baby. So we could say that I've been an, uh, abstinent for, for more than a year. And and I kind of <laughs> decided that I did, let's say, cost-benefits analysis. And 
something just doesn't add up, you know? <laughs> and I know that the older I am, the alcohol would kind of hit me harder. So I kind of decided for myself that I think I'm I'm not going to drink again, especially that right now we have so many alcohol-free options available. But again, I'm not making any hard rules for myself. Who knows? Maybe one day I'm going to be invited for my friend's wedding and there will be champagne and I will just want it and I will make a decision to have it. Um, so, <laughs> so right now I'm kind of making a decision to become an abstinent. <laughs> uh, there is no reason for me to drink alcohol. Um, but again, I don't want to make it black and white type of rule. So who knows, maybe in the future I'm going to have one, two drink, one, two drinks per year. Who knows for now, it's kind of not aligned with my values, with my lifestyle. Um, yeah, <laughs> sorry, sorry, I went on a long tangent about, you know, my, my situation, but, but I hope that it's going to encourage you. So I don't have a problem with alcohol, but still I'm making a conscious decision that alcohol is a toxin and it doesn't have a place in my life. So maybe that will, I don't know, inspire you, encourage you to also ditch alcohol, especially if you have problems with that and especially if that brings some negative consequences to your life. Because I feel like the more people say no to alcohol, the more normal it will be <laughs> Um that when you go to a party that there are other people who refuse to drink alcohol therefore there will be more alcohol-free versions um, available right uh, so we I, I believe that we can just make a societal shift that it's kind of normal to do not drink that's why I'm making the statement today like hey if you want to be uh, if you want to stop drinking alcohol, you have me as your as your friend, okay? <laughs> and maybe there are other podcast listeners who will make the same the same decision. And um, you know, the more <laughs> the more of us uh, are like that, uh, the more the society will change. <laughs> Anyways, I have to finish right now. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast episode. If you have any thoughts, if you would like to share with me uh, your story or you would like to just tell me like, Natalia, I'm on board with you. I also want to uh, have a break uh, in drinking alcohol, then let me know. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast episode and see you in the next one. Bye. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode and you would like to stay in touch with me, make sure to follow Binge Pro Brain on Instagram. And if you are ready to take this material to the next level and apply what you've learned, then go ahead and submit your coaching application for my Binge Pro Brain coaching program. Thank you so much for joining me today and have a great day. Bye.